0: Welcome to the Edition Wars podcast, where we take a deep dive into the mechanics and play styles of all the editions of our favorite game. We look at what worked, what didn't, what led to better games, as well as, well, what didn't lead to better games. And we talk about it all. And in this episode, we're going to discuss part four of the 3.5 edition Unearthed Arcana book which has hopefully, I think, uh, I, I have found this to be a fascinating discussion. I hope our audience feels the same. And if uh, you don't, I'm sorry about that. Hopefully our next project will catch you uh, in, in a better way. Um, but with me, as always, is...
1: I'm Brenda Stoddard. Happy to be here tonight. How are you, Sam?
0: I'm pretty good, you know. I mean, it's July 2020. The year is eking and coughing and hacking by. Um, so, yeah.
1: I feel like this year kind of needed a, uh, a Babylon 5 season intro, the year of fire.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, I, you know, I, 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 yeah, yeah. Let's not talk about this year. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah. So. We left off last time at the end of Chapter 3, and so this time we are discussing Chapter 4, which is all about adventuring, which it kind of is and kind of isn't. Actually, it's about things like uh, defense bonuses and armor reduction and uh, damage conversion and injury, and so it's it's not really about adventuring in the way that we kind of use the word in, in fifth edition, but uh, it is about all the things that uh, could affect how well you survive if you run into combat while you're adventuring.
1: That's correct. Yeah. So it starts us off with uh, the defense bonus. And uh, this is interesting to me because the thing they, they bring out here, you know, a, a scaling defense bonus is, um, as you gain levels, uh, to just fix your AC so the math works. Well, that's something a lot of other uh, 3X-era OGL games did pick up. Um, I want to say that there was um, a Star Wars game that used defense bonuses like this. Um, I want to say that maybe uh, the Wheel of Time game used something like this just a lot of D&D hacks that were intending to do something where heavy armor wasn't really the aesthetic mm-hmm. did something like this yeah um, so
0: the, the premise for the audience is that um, as you go up as you go up in level you get you, you level up and you get better and better at your attacks but you don't ever get better and better at your defenses your your armor class if it gets better it's because of an item not because of your leveling up in skill or prowess at anything, right? Whereas your, your fighting does do that. Your, your attack bonus goes up or your ability to cast new and different spells goes up or whatever, whatever. But your defense never goes up. And so what this does is it, it takes that into account and says, well, let's assume that you don't have a particular assumed type of armor on. Right. What would your defense bonus be? What, was your, what would your AC be if you got better at defending yourself as you leveled up?
1: Yeah.
0: And it goes from, you know, and it, it splits, splits everything by uh, class because some classes would do better than others, as presumably defending themselves. And uh, then it, you know, gives you a bonus ranging from plus 2 to plus 6 at first level, depending on what class you are. And by the time you hit 20th level, it's plus 8, plus 9, plus 10, plus 12.
1: Yep. And so it's interesting that they keep the same four points a four point spread all the way up. It's only a four point spread. And uh the other kind of fascinating thing about this to me is that fifth edition just doesn't need it. Like this is contrary to bounded accuracy. Bye. Um I mean the the internal scaling idea where maybe there's internal scaling on top of an existing bonus. Well, I mean, that sounds like 13th age to me, right? So the ideas that they're playing with here uh, were directly or indirectly mined by a lot of different games over the years. And I want to say that um, some of Earth Arcana, uh, Earth Arcana was added to the uh, system reference document for 3.5 but i'm not looking that up right now so that could totally be
0: wrong i think it was i'm not sure if this particular thing was but
1: yeah Yeah. but if it wasn't then it was used anyway so kind of whatever um
0: yeah no i and and the thing about this is it so just it doesn't stack with armor so you either get your armor bonus or you get your inherent defense bonus Right to improve your AC, but you don't, You can't get both. So you can't. You can't wear plate and get this and have you know some massive AC. Um, so my question: You said fifth edition doesn't have this because bounded accuracy, so you don't need this. Did third edition need this?
1: I mean, we've we've talked about the fact that third edition was very into, uh, you know, you're, you pumped your gold into your gear so that your gear would level up, and AC was an aspect of that, right? Uh, so it only didn't need this in the sense that it was solved in that way. Um, and, like, man, the the just gear grind headaches that could have been done away with if this had been put into 4th edition so that you aren't, like, constantly playing catch-up trying to keep your AC where it needs to be because you have don't have an inherent scaling function on your armor either. Right and so on.
0: Right, uh, but to be fair, I mean, well, fair. Fourth edition was explicitly made to be that
1: way. Oh, for sure, for sure.
0: I mean, it it wasn't an accident or or something that only showed up at, at later levels and and you know or something like that. It was specifically built around that. So.
1: No, I'm not saying that uh, anyone designing these games didn't know what they were doing and didn't act with intent. Just like that would have been a different approach that could have done something right. interesting and, and taken some loads off.
0: It certainly would have changed things for, say, Dark Sun.
1: Oh boy! Right, no doubt.
0: Dark Sun in Fourth Edition had to implement the inherent bonuses uh, because uh, you know the uh, expected treasure that you get, the expected magical items, the expected everything wasn't because you know Dark Sun is basically post-apocalyptic and deals with resource scarcity. So. Uh, you can't have all of the expected things that you're getting in, say, vanilla fourth edition in Dark Sun. So they had to introduce inherent bonuses. I wonder if this was the kernel of the of the thought about how they could actually do do that in Dark Sun.
1: Uh, I, I kind of I kind of think they had been chewing on the same problem, you know, year over year, because they probably were looking at, well, we can't really. Represent that character in fiction because that character doesn't wear armor, and you just can't play D and D like that and be a serious fighter. So, huh? So, so yeah, like I, I think that probably the designers were aware of this gear dependency, let's say a problem, um, and were looking around for ways to make something different happen. Right. So we're going to go through a couple of other versions of what armor is and does immediately following. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, But they they do also give ways to convert monster defense bonuses to the same thing and, uh, and such. Right. Um, But man, sitting there trying to convert uh, third ed (laughs) monster stat blocks on the fly by figuring out what armor they're proficient with so that you know how to increase their AC. Kill me now.
0: Yeah, you'd, you'd have to have that done beforehand.
1: <laughs> yeah, just, that's awful. Um, so next up we have armor is damage reduction. And this uh, halves your armor bonus to AC and then compensates you with uh, between... Well, zero for padded armor door mm-hmm. padded armor guys it's not good <laughs> um, and and realistically one and four points of uh, universal damage reduction right and so you're you're just taking a few points off the top and you know the funny thing is in its own way this did make it into fifth edition it's heavy armor master yeah just just right there except that uh, magical weapons get around heavy armor master but that's fine right but this is addressing the thing people have said about D for about 46 years <laughs> uh, which is that armor doesn't help you not get hit mm-hmm. armor helps you be hurt less when you get hit
0: right, right. And, and i mean you know our armor class has a similar problem to HP in that way, in that uh, hit points and hit points have have very specifically morphed into a health bar uh, in in computer games, yep. and then therefore that has bounced back onto the RPG side of it, and HP has morphed into a health bar when it's really not. It's actually more nuanced. It has to do with fatigue and. And uh, you know, and small cuts adding up to big ones, and you know that sort of thing. Whereas armor reduction addresses that more directly, uh, because AC has the same problem of oh, you you actually it didn't meet your AC, so you they missed you, but they actually didn't miss. They just maybe it was a glancing blow that didn't injure you. So you know, uh, and this this actually sort of deals with that.
1: Right. And what this doesn't have a good way to account for is how. Uh, your ability scores aren't changed in coming into this system. So, like, this is going to create a situation where it's quite easy for a high-dex character to have a much higher AC but no damage reduction at all, or, or even just a competitive AC, but no damage reduction at all, uh, compared to someone in all this heavy armor with garbage decks, right? And 5th edition... Well, both fourth and fifth edition accept that by having no ability score adjustment applied to your AC if you're wearing heavy armor. Uh, you only know that ability score adjustment if you're wearing light or in fifth medium armor. Well, like that's that does sort of skew the math here. I don't think it's skewing it in an unintended or unacknowledged way. It's just it's it means that. Uh, someone like a a rogue or a bard is fragile in a different way, right? They're maybe correctly not going to get hit quite as often, but when they get hit, it's over because they have, they're functionally taking um, three or four more points of damage than a fighter would from the same attack. Is that, is that intended who knows I didn't try it at the table so maybe it's kind of interesting but uh, it feels hard to guess how that would play in the long term uh, obviously this doesn't have any. this is no patch on damage scaling because 4 points of damage matters at 1st uh, and 2nd level y- you ignored 4 points of damage at 15th level in 3rd edition Cool story, yep. That did not help you getting hit more often because more of my more of my iterative attacks land. Now you have a problem, right? Because this doesn't address attack scaling at all.
0: Well, because it's decoupled. Yeah. And as soon as you decouple it, now they can't be related. Yep. Yeah. And so it there it's at, at some point it has to break down and not be relevant in terms of the what like you said four points. Well, big whoop. Yep. Yeah. You know, you don't care about that.
1: If you were to pair um, defense bonus with damage reduction from armor and also did something really inventive with um, armor check penalty, you might find a way toward a situation where people able to wear heavy armor sometimes deliberately didn't do so because they knew they were going into an exploration scene and were going to need to be limber, right? Right. Anyway, there's also handling for this in uh, magic armor and natural armor. The, the bonus on magic armor only increases your AC. It doesn't touch your damage reduction. And, and then there's a, a note on stacking damage reduction, which is not a phrase I even want to think about again. I knew how it worked at the time, but <laughs> I have totally just dumped that bit of knowledge as to how stacking damage reduction works and thank you not to remind me
0: it, it was a thing um but you know you did the calculation and whatever
1: yeah so so shields also apply just ac and then natural armor has a whole thing and dealing with the natural armor adjustment on the fly uh is another of those absolute worst kinds of things right just no thank you yeah so, a mature adult red dragon is a natural armor bonus of plus 24. I was just, I was just reading that paragraph. That gives it damage reduction uh, 4 slash bar, and its natural armor bonus is reduced by 4 points to plus 20. No. No. Yeah. God, no, please. I mean,
0: it's... Yeah.
1: Yeah, because you can't even just look at its AC value. You've got to keep in mind, it may have a low dex, and so... Anyway, guys, I, no. <laughs> um, like this is fine if you have built the system around this from from the jump, or if you are seriously going to convert your whole monster manual over to this mm-hmm. with extensive calculations for every monster. But right. there's nothing casual about you using this in your game.
0: Yeah, yeah, because because li- because here's the frost giant, right? It has a plus 9 natural armor bonus, so it gets DR1 from natural armor. The chain shirt that it's wearing gives it an additional DR2. If it were 7th level Barbarian, the Barbarian class levels give it a DR one And then you add up those three values, you get a DR 4 So his AC is 20, 10, plus 8, plus 2. That's how they got the 20. Oh. So... Imagine going through the Monster Manual one, Monster Manual two, Monster Manual three, Monster Manual four, Monster Manual five, and the Fiend Folio, oh. <laughs> and and figuring out that that damage reduction uh, for each one. So, I mean, now you know. I mean, let's be honest. I, I'm not sure that anybody uh, would necessarily do that. They would just do it creature by creature when they were running that creature in the game. But still, the fact remains. It's it's not. Smooth especially when as you said you're talking about four hit points of damage reduction
1: yeah um, and I, I like that they give extensive behind, behind the curtain sidebars on mm-hmm. everything yeah yeah um, that's it's very cool and they talk about the combo of defense bonus and damage reduction mm-hmm. um, and that's that's all pretty cool stuff but then they launch into another system yeah
0: <laughs> I, I think I think for those you have to. I mean, this is something where you don't just decide it in the middle of your campaign.
1: Oh no! Oh you, no! You have to
0: say at the very beginning, okay, we're doing we're, we're going to play this game, but we're doing this variant. And because we're playing a swashbuckling game, and everybody's going to be you know stylish swashbucklers, we want to use defense bonuses and damage reduction. Yeah. And so that's what we're doing from the get go. Uh, and then you know, then you just you incorporate it into the the way that you talk about that game.
1: And again, I'm not looking it up right now, but I feel like Grim Tales might have mined from this fairly extensively. And that was a a really deep pack uh, of third edition, just mm-hmm. barely recognizable as third edition. Anyway, the next system. So we have damage conversion. I'm I'm going to just go ahead and say don't use this one. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> like this is a this yeah. one's a, a real mess. Um, so the idea is that uh, when you get hit, you convert the amount of your armor bonus of uh, out of lethal damage into non-lethal damage. So you're tracking those separately, which means healing is going to work better because if you are receiving magical healing. Uh, every single point of magical healing heals both one point of non-lethal and one point of lethal. Mm -hmm. Don't do this. I I played in uh, Arcana evolved for Mm -hmm. years and years and just the, the bookkeeping around receiving healing and taking damage was not the fun part. That was not, that was not a good part of the game. Because it was, it was just. I, I now have multiple hit point pools, and I need to track uh, how healing is converting one converting lethal on them to non lethal on me. And no, oh.
0: oh. So basically, it makes a very clear distinction between non lethal and and right.
1: I do have one more thing I want to say about damage conversion. My life. Okay, so the one last thing I want to say about damage conversion is that the behind-the-curtain sidebar and Damage Conversion uh, is actually them signaling the logic behind why NPCs die at zero hit points instead of having death saves in 5th edition. Right, uh, They want to avoid the uh, potentially ugly post-combat scene of the characters feeling it necessary to slit the throats of their unconscious foes. That's it. That's the logic. That's why NPCs die at zero hit points instead of like the DM even potentially thinking about needing to track their bleed out. Right. right? Uh, right. It's so that like, you don't need to have that sort of ghastly scene of, well, I guess we would make sure they're all dead or they'll come after us. Oh, that is not heroic mm-hmm. action. No, thank you. Right is, I think, the reasoning there.
0: Do you know how common that type of action is? Uh,
1: in the games I was playing in 3rd in Ed, it was very common. It was incredibly yeah. common.
0: That's, that's what I mean, though. It's still common.
1: I, my, my players accept that things are dead at zero hit points and we don't talk about it anymore.
0: I I, well, I mean, granted, I've had a lot of different groups and some of them accept it. And some of them, there's always one <laughs> that oh, says... My God. I got to make sure these, these things are not going to cause us trouble later. Right. Cool. I mean, it's, it's a thing. It's, it's, it's a, it's part of the murder hobo trope, right? Great. It's a coup <laughs> de gras for each dead enemy. Yeah. Right? No,
1: I, I get it. So, just, it's I mean, not, I'm not, fun I'm, what I have. I'm not
0: making a, a, I, I'm not saying it's great. I'm
1: just saying, yeah, I yeah, know
0: yeah. for a fact that that still exists. Oh
1: yeah. Like it, every gaming community is different at this point
0: right and so even though you know this is in here and I agree with you I that's the reasoning and that's why you know that's why it happens in fifth edition the way that it does explicitly um, but uh, it, <laughs> yeah that's that yeah it's not it doesn't doesn't always carry through to the psyche of of the
1: players all right now Sam please so, launch us into injuries
0: now let's talk about injuries okay so Basically, this is an alternative hit point system, okay? Um, And really what happens is it takes away the idea of hit points. And it says, we are going to just use an injury threshold as determining how injured you actually are. We're not going to use such a basic transparent number scheme such as hit points. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take away your hit points. And we're going to say that when you take damage, we're going to divide that damage by five. We're going to round up. And if you're hit by, so for example, if you're hit by an attack that did 12 points of damage, so you're you're still rolling the same, right? You're still rolling an attack. Your creatures are still rolling an attack, rolling damage the same. They didn't change that part. But what happens is, let's say I roll a 12 for damage. You got hit for 12. Well, in the old system, you just subtract 12 hit points from your hit point. Uh, max uh, hit point total, and then you move on. In this case, you take the 12 and you divide it by 5, and then you round up, which gives you a total of three in this case because 12 divided uh, by 5 is 2 plus, right? So then you round up to 3. That means this is a three point injury. Now to determine if you actually took the three point injury, you have to make a fortitude save. The fortitude save is a DC 15 plus the damage value. So the damage value is that three that I mentioned a second ago. So now your DC is 18. So if you roll a fortitude check and you make 18 or higher, you have succeeded in avoiding that injury and you take no damage. If you fail and you fail by less than 10, then you took a hit and each time, so the other thing that complicates this is each time that you are hit, you have a cumulative negative one modifier on future fortitude saves to resist future hits. Okay. Uh, so you take that three, you take that hit, right? so we'll determine what happens later. Uh, if you fail to save by 10 or more, you become disabled or staggered if it was intending to be a non lethal hit. So, so here's the thing about this. Okay. If you succeed your saving throw, it has no effect. If you fail it by less than 10, you get hit. If you fail it by 10 or higher, you are disabled. But here's the thing. When you become disabled, okay, then you're conscious. But all you can do is take either a single move action or a single standard action. Okay. And you can't take a full round action. You move at half speed, so it has all of these qualifiers, right? This is an actual condition. You are now disabled, Mm -hmm. okay? If you're, it's it. Anyway, I'm going to stop reading there. So you understand the complexity of this all of a sudden, yeah? Right? It's it doesn't. Once again, right? Here we are trying to take hit points, which you know, just a few minutes ago, I was I, I was lamenting that you know, hit points used to be a representation of, of the entirety of your psychological and mental and you know emotional state on the battlefield. So it represents fatigue and mental weariness and and actual physical damage. And that just calling it one number hit points kind of makes that too simple. But here, <laughs> here you take that and say, well let's throw hit points out then. Let's do this thing instead.
1: Well, so I I have some comments on this. I have some notes. Um, Now, the thing that this is trying to do, uh, I have actually seen handled very coherently in Mutants and Masterminds. Mm. Because it absolutely does this, but the system is designed around that from first principles to not have superheroes with hit points because – Superheroes don't have hit points. That's not the right. you know.
0: Well, superheroes uh, don't don't die,
1: right? Whether they die or not, it it doesn't feel like a hit point track, right? Um, and they can take these hard hard hits and just shine them on. Nothing happens. Uh, that's that's part of the the four color fantasy mm-hmm. that right. uh, Mutants and Masterminds sets out to create, for the best I've ever understood it, which is more on the reading side and less on the playing side, more the pity because I did enjoy what I played. Um,
0: the reason I say that uh, superheroes don't die is uh, especially in early superhero in, in comic books and whatnot, yeah. you know, the superhero is the hero. Oh, sure. And can take a licking, but keeps on ticking. Right. It's, it's like,
1: yeah, uh, uh, golden age and silver age heroes are not known for being killable. Uh, right. It's it's where you get into bronze and iron age that the mortality rate goes up.
0: Right. But but also when they when they best someone, they're often carting them off to jail
1: yeah, for trial. For sure.
0: They're yeah. they're not they're also not killing the enemy. They're they're doing justice. You know, they're they're yeah. trying to let the justice so so that's why I said that, because that's that's a very known superhero trope right so i could see i could see if you might want to not have a uh, something as as non-granular as hit points in a game like that
1: Yep, i I can definitely see that anyway this is this feels like a real headache to me um in actual use (laughs) um i can't remember uh, because i I never read it i just read about it i can't Mm -hmm. remember if maybe um star wars saga edition touched on this also So Uh,
0: Saga Edition had a condition track that, oh gosh, it's been a while, but um, it was sort of like this kind of probably parallel evolution, but I don't remember it seeming as clunky as this, but you know. Well, sure.
1: Again, designed from first principles rather than uh, reverse engineered. Sure. Um, So I think we have beaten that one to death and yeah. it, is, it has finally failed its last fortitude save
0: <laughs> i mean so you know there's a whole bunch i didn't say uh, about all of that you know all these conditions and all these different things that are happening um but it's uh, headache inducing uh, to read it um not to say that some groups couldn't use this and have a ball with it and all that i'm not i'm not making a value judgment i'm saying for me yeah it just it's headache inducing to, to deal with all of it Yeah, for sure. That brings us to healing.
1: Yep. So the the goal of uh, this section, and really a lot of the next couple of systems, next several lots more systems, Mm -hmm. heavens, (laughs) we have a lot more subsystems to get through, um, is to bring D and D fantasy a little bit more in line with the the supporting fiction. You know, Mm -hmm. your appendix and fiction. Where there are just not that many healers in every party, there right. there aren't. Well, especially this is third ed. You have to have a cleric. Other characters can heal, technically. You have mm-hmm. to have a cleric. Let's let's not mess around. And yeah. so they're trying to like move D and D more in that direction, or at least make moving that direction more of an option, um, without just fixing the Spell lists, whatever. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, we're going to talk about um, uh, natural healing and non-lethal healing. So, so this is the healing system specifically for that injury mm-hmm. system we just covered. But. Right. Right. Um,
0: so in, in other words, it, it splits – You know that, that injury system, it split everything into a lethal damage category or a non-lethal damage category. So I kind of mentioned that, but I didn't make it really explicit. Yep. And so when you get hit, you either have a hit that's a lethal damage hit or you have a non-lethal damage hit. And then you, if you got a lethal damage failed by more than 10, you get disabled, so it has all those – all of those different things we were talking about. And then if your non-lethal damage failed by 10, then you're staggered, which is another condition. But what happens is when you go to heal from that damage that you took yep. to put you into those conditions, you now have to heal two categories worth of damage. You have to heal some lethal damage and non-lethal damage.
1: Yep. Well, and we're talking about how to heal hits and so on. Right, right. Uh, it's not hit
0: points. It's,
1: yeah. And you know, yeah. <laughs> and then applying that to fast healing and regeneration just it's it gets real messy um and it's just like changing the level of granularity that you care about is like if you just say it like that i think it's obvious why it would be messy Mm -hmm. right Right. you're trying to zoom out and that's that's hard right
0: and it's an awful lot of context switching if you're trying to do it yeah on the fly or if you don't really if you're not really sure how it works and you're just trying to learn it at the table that could be a, a huge problem because it's it's it starts becoming complicated with weird edge cases and all this, you know. So, yeah.
1: Yep. And so we get handling for special damage defenses. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not sure we're going to be fascinating our, our listeners with diving into these. No. So, so next up is vitality and wound points, which Again, have seen a ton of use in mm-hmm. uh, both uh, people's home games, based on what I read on message boards for years, and also um, based on like I think though I think this is used in the Star Wars. Yeah, uh,
0: the d20 though, not
1: the saga. The, the d20 Star Wars, right? Um, where they needed to represent uh, sudden death from lightsaber. Right. Uh, and so the idea here is that uh, you're separating sort of the the meat side of hit points from the uh, luck and dodging and so on mm-hmm. of hit points. So right. wound points are uh, are the meat that they are actual big Physical. gashes in yeah. your flesh, right. and then vitality is Uh, all of that luck and divine favor and uh, I I feel well rested today and whatever else that keeps you going. Um, (laughs) You know,
0: and you, and you get, you get a number of vitality points at first level based on class. And so it works pretty much how you might expect, you know, barbarian gets 12 plus their con mod fighter gets 10, ranger gets eight rogue gets six all those plus con mod you know um and you get a vitality die so you roll you roll just as you level up you roll just like you would roll hit points traditionally you you roll a vitality
1: die yep and then your wound points are uh your constitution score so your survivability at uh first level is
0: much much higher Right. Well, because you don't take wounds unless you get hit with a crit,
1: or you're at zero vitality.
0: Right. Sure. But that. <laughs> right. But if you're a if you're a barbarian with 12 plus con mod, you're it's gonna take. Yeah. 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 You have some good survivability.
1: I, I mean, the actual amount that you can amount of punishment you can absorb before you are, uh, dead. Well, it has a lot in common with the starting hit points at first level in fourth edition. It's not mm-hmm. the same, but it's not that different either, right? <laughs> and I think that's kind of interesting. But but right, uh, critical hits cut straight to meat points, um, mm-hmm. and uh, then there's rules around injury and death, special damage situations. Right. Well, hold on, I want to back you oh, up sorry, for a go second. Ahead.
0: Also, wound damage. Puts you in a fatigued category. So, oh, the first sure. time you take a wound, you now have to introduce being fatigued. Sure. So, you now have a conditional, you have a condition placed on top of the actual wound.
1: Yeah, and I. Okay, you kind of have to decide for yourself whether you like Death Spirals or not, right? Mm-hmm. So, the there's a good side and a bad side to death spirals in design mm-hmm. and as a general statement, DD has shunned them because they they aren't heroic right they're realistic right. Right. Um, or at least they encourage verisimilitude. Uh, mm-hmm. instead of I'm at one hit point, I'm fighting like a champ I have no problems. Uh, mm-hmm. you know you're weakened because you're badly injured. So you have a problem. Uh, Well, the problem there is the first person to take an injury now has a a much more difficult time surviving the fight and coming from behind in the fight. And Mm -hmm. so to a certain extent, it uh, overemphasizes the value of initiative and Nova Striking. Well, Nova Striking is already overvalued in D&D. Right. Um, And so, if you're going to have a death spiral, you probably also want to have something in your system that is pushing back against Nova Striking. An escalation die comes to mind as Mm -hmm. one of the most graceful ways I've seen a game handle um, uh, anti Nova Striking. Right. Um, In case that term of jargon is unfamiliar uh nervous striking (laughs) is just when you use your biggest stuff first instead of uh acting like a proper action hero or dragon ball z character and (laughs) using the small stuff early until you're in a more desperate situation and you have to destroy them with your biggest baddest stuff right right that's what that's about
0: Nova Striking is the, uh, the reason why you have a five-minute workday.
1: Right. Yes, absolutely.
0: And so if you're, if you're unfamiliar with that <laughs> phraseology, a five-minute workday is the idea that the party goes out, as soon as they get in one, maybe two fights, they've already spent all of their major spells and, and abilities, and they're really not able to take on another challenge. So they go back and rest up and heal up and spend the whole rest of the day doing nothing. And then they camp and they get up the next day and do it all again. Right. Um, so, but the, the reason that I brought up fatigue here is because, um, let me tell you what fatigue does. Because, and and this, is why, this is why, for the audience, this is why Brandis started talking about death spiral. Because here's what happens if you're fatigued. If you're fatigued, you cannot run, you cannot charge. You take a negative two penalty to strength and dexterity until you have rested for 8 hours, or until the wound has been healed, if that occurs first. Uh, in addition, any time an attack deals wound damage to a character after you've already been wounded the first time, you have to succeed on a fortitude saving throw of DC 5 plus the number of wound points lost from that attack, or be stunned for 1d4 rounds. Okay, stunned, which is bad. And during that time, anybody else can help you to try to, you know, if they stabilize you, they end your stunned condition. But so here's why I bring this up, because this is very much like exhaustion in fifth edition.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: This is worse than exhaustion because it it does trigger that death spiral you're talking about that. and, And now that you've gotten a wound, it's much harder for you to succeed at anything else other than just continuing to die. Right. Yep. Um, but exhaustion is, is kind of a, a, it's similar to fatigue in that as it, as it gets worse, if you don't take care of your exhaustion levels, the, the disability keeps adding up for you and you get worse and worse and worse. And you're now in the exhaustion spiral, which could end up being a death spiral for you because you are really not able to do anything by the time you get up into the higher levels of exhaustion, right? Being exhausted one level is not a big deal. But like fatigued, if you're fatigued in the middle of a fight because you've been wounded, number number one, you're fatigued, but you're wounded. <laughs> so yeah, death spiral. It makes it gritty. It makes it it makes it gritty.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, one of the other, uh, you know, biggest tabletop games out there, Call of Cthulhu, is mm-hmm. death spirals all the way down. Right. Uh, almost every aspect of play is some kind of death spiral. And that, that's that's the the fun of it, right is trying to sort of stay out in front of it or to die interestingly.
0: So and, come to the idea that you that you are going to perish in some way uh, maybe not bodily but but maybe mentally and therefore uh, you might as well go for the gusto and do right. what you got to do right because you know it's not going to end well.
1: And, and so like um, we, we also have healing rules for, uh, the vitality and wound point system. Um, vitality points come back uh, much faster. Uh, characters recover vitality points at a rate of one vitality point per hour per character level. Does that sound kind of like a short rest to you, Sam? A little bit, yeah. Hmm. Oh, weird. <laughs> Oh huh. yeah! huh, huh. Oh, I, I'm sure that I'm sure that when they developed
0: fourth edition, that was a completely you know that was a completely separate development of that
1: of that. Oh, That's oh, sure. yes. well, Let me tell you, we're going to get a much more one-to-one. Uh, uh, <laughs> I know healing surge <laughs> Rule set here. I <laughs> know. I know. It's, I know it's, it's very good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like you, you definitely see that here because they are trying to. Um, create space for, um, parties and fantasy tales that don't have a PC healer at their center. Uh, yeah. which is also, you know, an important goal to the four E and five E designers,
0: five
1: mm-hmm. uh, E even more than four E. And it's why those games work the way they do. That's, it's what the healing surge or hit die systems are about. Um, so uh, there's a, a whole thing around um, vitality points and monsters. Um, they, they don't really recommend having uh, uh, vitality points for uh, NPC classes. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah. There's just a lot of here's how you handle this, here's how you handle this. Right. I'm not sure there's gonna be a lot of useful stuff to, to talk about there.
0: No. Not not really.
1: Um
0: So then that brings us to reserve points.
1: Yep. And and reserve points, well that that is just dead on some uh, some healing surges. It's mm-hmm. just not sort of chunky like a healing surge. It is I have reserve hit points equal to my maximum hit points, and when I rest, I can, you know, heal myself with, with reserve hit points.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, like that should sound exactly like uh, mm-hmm. the hit dice I, I roll to get my hit points are mm-hmm. also the hit, hit dice I spend to recover hit points in short rests. Right. Um, healing surges, like you could more than fully heal yourself once in the course of a day. Um, right. Sometimes quite a bit more if your class was really into that, like paladins. Mm.
0: Um, well, and this is definitely the the, the 4e five-minute short rest, because the example they give is uh, they use Tordek, right? Tordek is the dwarf fighter, I think. Yep. Tordek has 22 hit points. He has, therefore, 22 reserve points also, and he's in battle with some orcs, takes 6 points of damage, so now his uh, HP is 16. However, after the fight, his reserve hit points—he had a reserve pool of 22, remember—his reserve hit points begin to, quote, convert to hit points. So over the course of 6 minutes, his reserve point total drops by 6, and his hit point total goes back up to, to by 6, bringing him to a maximum of 22. So, in six minutes, he basically did a healing search. But I'm sure that has nothing to do with fourth edition. Total convergent evolution,
1: completely
0: unrelated, you know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 I'm I'm sure that if we read the credits list of uh, those respective books, we would find that Mm -hmm. held up. Sure. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I mean – before he was designed, just four years after this book was sorry right. released, just four yeah. years after released. this book. Yes,
0: right, right. That that word is very important because, um, you know, they weren't just looking back at the core books when they were doing, uh, fourth yeah, edition.
1: Yeah, program. for sure. Were, yeah. For sure. I mean, um. So, so anyway, anyway. so
0: reserve points. So, so that, reserve
1: points it. are a cool idea. Uh, yeah. They're they're very mathy, and I'd rather use the the chunkier. Uh, healing surges or hit dice but as a prelude to uh healing surges and hit dice they're they're pretty solid and really worth a good look
0: you say they're kind of clunky or or mathy you didn't say clunky you said mathy they're kind of mathy but not compared to the two things we just read above no i mean compared to those
1: those. yeah this is
0: really simple you just have another pool yeah, you just put another box right next to your HP box, and you know you have that in reserve, and you just track both of them.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, that's that's absolutely true. Um, yeah. So, 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 next up, anyway.
0: Next, we have massive we got a lot more damage. Yes, yeah. yeah, so we we have a few pages. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> so, so massive damage thresholds and results, um, and this is all about. Changing up when you have to make a save against massive damage and what your massive damage threshold is. Uh, in uh, core uh, 3X, I believe it's 50 points, right? And so,
0: mm-hmm. I think so, yeah.
1: And so, in high level play, you can get a game dynamic, especially post 20 play. Uh, in, in very high level 3X, you can get a dynamic where. Um, Everyone's dishing out 50 points or more with an attack. That's that's just universal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not even a, a meaningful dent in the target's hit points. So what you're doing is trying to get them to roll a 1 on their fortitude save. You, you are going crit fishing right. with a critical fail on their mm-hmm. fortitude save to resist mass- massive damage because that will cut them down quickly. Um, now i I never personally played uh, 3x in that way or at that level but I definitely read about that happening mm-hmm. um, yeah. and top level spells definitely push that um, when you're talking about you know throwing multiple meteor swarms in a day yes mm-hmm. that will absolutely happen right um, anyway um, you know they talk about different uh, threshold options. Maybe it's based on constitution or uh, based on your um, number of hit dice, uh, 25 plus uh, two Mm -hmm. per hit die, or based on your size. Um, And I've seen a bunch of those used in different ways in, in various uh, third ed hacks, uh, Mm -hmm. such as um, D20 modern, I believe. And uh, D20 Call of Cthulhu uh, really leaned into some of this. Um, now, those would have been released before this book because I was still in college when those came out. Um, mm-hmm.
0: But not but that long before.
1: I mean, no, no, um, wh- one or two years before. You've got to keep in mind how rapid the releases were. The, the release right? cycles were, especially if you're talking about third-party content in mm-hmm. Those heady days of 2000 to 2003 when the uh, OGL and the SRD just lit the world on fire for a while. I mean, people came out of the woodwork because suddenly they could legally publish uh, D&D content Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and even maybe make a dollar or two doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Uh,
0: D20 Modern was 2002. Yeah, so
1: yeah, um, I mean, I couldn't have told you the exact year, but I can tell you which coffee table I sat around playing. Yeah, <laughs> so so I know where I was at yeah, the yeah. time. Like yeah. that's how my brain works. Yeah.
0: Well, what's funny is D twenty, Call of Cthulhu was also two thousand two.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. well,
0: yeah. It, I mean, like, it's but it's that those years, you know, yeah. it, it, one of the reasons why I'm not a, I I never got into third edition as much, is those early years the f- first I was still playing AD&D, a D and d a mix between 1e and 2e right and then when I stopped playing that I went on to other games and then I stopped playing RPGs altogether because of different life circumstances or whatever for, for like three or four years sure by the time I wanted to get back into it I hadn't played D and D since literally since right before third edition came out. And it was 2007 when I decided I wanted to start playing again because oh I was more settled. Yeah. So 2007, you go to the store and you look for D and D, or you go to the, you know you go to the hobby store, or whatever, and there are like 50 books. Yeah. And I was like, whoa! I guess I'm yeah. not playing third edition because, I mean, I bought I think I you know I bought the the core books right, but it was like, oh man, this is like there's no way I can ever catch up. And remember, you're talking to an old school. Like I, I had every D and D book, you know, every, any yep. any edition I played, I had every release, you know, whatever. Um, if if I had as much as possible, I, I didn't always have the funds for everything, but you know what I'm saying. Yep. Like I wanted to have the whole game, right? Um. And so I never played third edition very much. I nowadays I I've, I've got a few sessions under my belt running it, and I've played in a few sessions, but nothing anywhere near what I, the extents the extensiveness that I've played all the other editions. Sure. With. So that's, that's the reason, but it's because that release cycle of one or two hardcover books every month, mm-hmm. you know, is just killer. If you can't keep up or you um don't, don't know where to begin. Like I walked in and I walked into the store and it was like, Oh man,
1: well, like I don't
0: even I don't know what
1: to do with this. Just to be maximally brain breaking. You've got to remember that, in uh about fall of uh, 2003 they hit the reset button on it all
0: right and did 3.5 i know
1: and and so everything that was really important got some kind of re-release and right. so like it, it right if you if you track any of this at all you know about the ogl glut of mm-hmm. uh, third ed dnd but right. it Living through it was a whole experience, right? Like yeah. I, I was in college and had some disposable income and the amount of stuff I've got mm-hmm. is insane.
0: Amazing, right? Yeah. Well, and also remember that it wasn't PDFs weren't big, right? You didn't you yeah, didn't get no. stuff on PDF back no. then. So you were buying published printed books. That was the only way you could get most of them.
1: Well, and those those things weren't funded with the Kickstarter. Ain't no Kickstarter in 2002, right? right? Yeah. So it's all a question of like, uh, can somebody front this money and make something happen? Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it was, those were weird, strange days. Strange days for sure but you know I mean we're way off on a tangent now but, Weird. but <laughs> uh, that's to be expected. Um, so let's go back to uh, to uh, damage thresholds and uh, or I guess uh, yeah massive damage threshold.
1: Um, uh. so, so the thing here is just uh, having a bunch of hit points is no guarantee that you're gonna make it through the round right? a, a right. large hit point pool, uh, might mean nothing like, uh, one unlucky roll and you're in the dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like a larger number of smaller attacks is r- really a lot worse than a smaller number of larger attacks, mm-hmm. such as snake attack. Right. right. Um, so that's, uh, that's a big...
0: Well, yeah. and in some ways, that's the whole... Uh, it's like the relationship between focused fire, right? Yep. yep. Um, it's the same idea there, that if you're hitting just one opponent, if everybody's hitting one opponent, they're going to go down much faster because you've got a number of attacks, and they are all meaningful.
1: Yep. Um, and... Then there's alternative, uh, save failure results, uh, because they're already seeing that like the the third edition um, death process of uh, bleeding out one point at a time toward negative ten is it, with with a, a chance to stabilize on your own each round doesn't feel great. Um, it doesn't have the tension that you want when someone's on the ground bleeding to death. And so, um, what they, what they try are things like, um, a, a near death result, uh, which might land you on uh, negative eight hit points. That's pretty tense. Yeah. That's you know, a lot of time. Um, a, uh, or a, 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 variable result where, um, you roll, uh, a D 10 and, uh, the negative value of that D10 is how many hit points you are uh, below water, and you might be instantly dead if you roll it down on that.
0: Um, I will also point out that what you said a second ago about how uh, go- counting down and ticking the hit points down one by one for you know nine rounds doesn't have the tension that they wanted from you know a, a character dying. Well, that's part of the same reason as the wound system above, right? Yeah. You get a wound and you go into a death spiral that needs to be taken care of. That's supposed to evoke a tension between what the healer in the party is doing or maybe someone else who could stabilize that person and, and what's going on outside of the wounded individual's sphere. You know what I mean? Yep. It's meant to evoke tension.
1: Yep. I agree with that.
0: Now, how successful it was, just as in this, how successful it was is another story. Um, I never played with any of these. So. No,
1: we, we didn't either. Um, well, except for we played with the uh, the massive damage threshold variant for D20 Modern. The couple times right. we tried that at all. Um, yeah. uh, so, I mean, next up we have Death and Dying section. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is uh, where, where they have a fortitude save that is literally a death save, right? <laughs> I mean, it it scales off of fortitude, which means fighters are going to be really good at it, and wizards mm-hmm. are going to uh, be all hemophiliacs, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> which that's, that's right. rough. Yeah, um, that's rough, buddy. Um, <laughs> and yeah. yeah, like other than that aspect. It is real similar to the whole point of the death save, and right. like the what I'm trying to say with my comment about fighter and wizard is to highlight why death saves uh, don't have any scaling function from uh, your constitution or your proficient saves or anything yeah. in um, in fifth edition and fourth edition. Now, there are ways to become proficient or uh, partially proficient in death saves or to have advantage of death saves in 5th edition. Don't at me. I'm aware. But (laughs) it is isn't mostly a thing.
0: Yeah. I want to point out two things from this. Um, One of them is if you... uh, the, the, The DC is 10 plus... Two points per every 10 points of damage that you took in that attack. Yeah. Success. So so that's the first thing to point out is it, it scales a tiny, it scales a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, but then it says success means that you are disabled. Failure means you're dying. So here's the thing, though. Here's why I bring this up. Disabled in this section is different from the disabled in that oh, sure. injury. Variant section, right? So you yeah. have to be careful. So, in other words, you know, nowadays they make their conditions be very named, very specifically, and it always means the same thing. Yeah. But with these variants, it, that's not true. It does not always necessarily mean the same thing. It means disabled in this context. It, it's a lot of it's the same, but there's some slight differences that could become important, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, and so, so you can't just assume that uh, disabled dying stable means the same exact thing here as it does in one of these other alternative variant systems
1: right well and D and D has a long history with needing a damn thesaurus
0: sure yeah yeah level i know i know right that's what <laughs> i was just thinking <laughs> level 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 yeah uh, so in any case uh do you find this i mean it's interesting i mean whatever Okay. If, um, a it's not interesting now because we've had two editions of something more streamlined.
1: Well, so so if for some reason it were necessary that I go back and run a third edition game, which it isn't, but imagine <laughs> for a second with me, right. um, using this does feel pretty plausible to me because it does, you know, carry some tension on a die roll mm-hmm. r- other than. Uh, did I get my 10% chance to auto-stabilize? No? All right, well, I, I take down by one. Like, okay. like uh, Another thing that I, I don't think we're necessarily going to see here, but I, is a variant I saw a lot of the time, is the acknowledgement that the negative 1 to negative 10 window is trivial and useless at high mm-hmm. levels when you know, a, a 40 to 50 point, uh, damage attack incoming is mm-hmm. normal. Like that's, right. a, that's a totally normal thing, uh, right. to say nothing of a crit. Well, mm-hmm. if, if that's normal, then someone can go from, you know, basically fine. I'm sitting on 30 hit points to gone. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's missing the tense moment th- that is interesting and fun. And mm-hmm. it's really like making sure the the key tense moment of healer gameplay is not happening. Well, that's not mm-hmm. good. You, you don't want that, right? Uh, right. Right. Like support healer gameplay by making a rescue possible is the lesson. Uh, so in that light, uh, using this becomes much more appealing.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I agree, and that. Yeah, so that brings us to action points.
1: Yep. So action points uh, <laughs> are going to become part of the, uh, just the, the core DNA of Eberron. Um, was Eberron released in 2004? I think it was.
0: 2004. That's what you said, right?
1: Yeah, 2004. So, so action points become some of the essential DNA of Eberron and a, a good number of other uh, 3.5 era uh, uh, OGL games, mm-hmm. right? right. Um, and the idea is just that you are, you know, representing high heroism and feats of daring do that uh, let the the players turn, you know, a failure to a success or a hit against them into a miss or whatever uh, by rolling an extra die and spending a resource Um,
0: this was it's very popular because it puts the resource in the player's hands and they can choose when to use the action point and uh, overcome something that they didn't necessarily expect you know sometimes when you're making a roll and you expect to succeed uh, you just think it's going to be a typical triumphant whatever uh, and then you fail and so here's a way to rescue it right,
1: right? and, it's, and it's, very, it's very simple correcting for the um the cruelty of the, the very flat probability of any 20 is right. a reasonable thing to want um i've always had a a problem with how action points were implemented um here and in everon that i've just never been okay with at all and it, it's it's just a, like a brain glitch, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, every time a character advances, he gains a number of action points equal to five plus one half his new character level. So that's clearing out your, your previous count mm-hmm. of action points. They don't want you stockpiling level over level. Uh, the thing is, uh, in a lot of games, you don't have a way to understand your, your budgeting of action points as you approach that new level. Right. Right. You don't have a way to understand how far off that next level is. Mm -hmm. So you can't necessarily say to yourself, we've probably got about one more session to go before we level. I might as well spend two or three action points that I've been sitting on because they're going away if I don't spend them. Right. And just even asking players to think about, um, making sure they spend all of these before they level is just very teeth grinding for me. I don't like it. Right. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't get like that.
1: decision making to work on that zoomed out of a meta level. So yeah, that's yeah. me.
0: I mean, but at the same time, I understand why the, that ruling is there. That they, you know, because some people would save up.
1: Right. Yeah, um, I mean, I think it also signals why action points in fourth edition don't work like that.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Like you, you have one. Uh, you you can store more up, but you can't spend them all in one encounter. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: So so what? Right. Um, and so if you don't spend the spend them at the end of the day. Well, they get flushed, and you go back to right. one. Well, that's but you, fine.
0: But you get that one the next day. So yeah. it, like, it doesn't feel like a loss if you don't end up using it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a loss, but it's a pretty small one. Sure,
0: sure, right.
1: yeah. And, and but you, it, you've but got because, because it's again. so
0: small, it doesn't really seem like it has a huge impact. Because Precisely. you, it's not like you lose it because you didn't use it, and it you're only going to get one when you get to your next level which who knows how, right. So that runs into that problem again of how do I know how long it's going to be? Yeah. So you don't have to worry about that. Cause you know, it's going to come the next, either the next, uh, you know, the next day, or perhaps if you're getting to a milestone, which is after two encounters or three encounters, right. Milestone means something different in fourth edition than it does in fifth edition. So don't for,
1: misunderstand. For sure. For
0: sure. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's, 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 uh, I, yeah uh, so, uh, the thing is like I know that this system was very, very people enjoyed this right in the same way that in fourth edition they enjoyed rolling 2d20 for an Avenger right and that that, yep. that got carried into fifth edition well this got carried into fourth edition because it is a very enjoyable mechanic
1: Yeah I mean th- what the action point gets you is is quite different but because c- it's
0: sure but the, I, but the idea yeah. of it yep. is, Worthy enough yeah, for uh, sure. to evoke in enough fun to be to be pulled into the next edition, for sure.
1: Um, and I do really like the idea of getting to spend action points to crank up your feats and mm-hmm. make make them more better. Um, yeah, that would yeah. be a, a cool thing to see um, built into the core of a system, so that it was something you're considering for every feet or micro feature that you sold. I, mm-hmm. I, I do dig that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's a it's a good way to make those feats a little bit more meaningful.
1: Uh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> oh, this next one. <laughs> Are we ready yeah. to hit combat facing? Because uh, I, I have. <laughs> I have a do big. you
0: have thing? Do you have things to say about it? I mean. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's gonna be real fast. You're gonna like it. it
0: it, it, evo- it evokes uh, the 2E. The e yes, combat tactics that's what I'm going me. to say.
1: I'm going to Even say, do listen to us talk about Damping. this. Don't yeah. <laughs> listen to us talk about this in the 12 Days of Edition Wars. Anyway, moving on. Nice. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I'm totally fine with that. Uh, it, it's basically the same thing. I'm sure there are some few slight nuances for 3rd for edition.
1: There um, are. Um,
0: but, uh, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, yeah, this it's, is. It's the same.
1: Uh, there's no way we can talk to you, dear listener, about this in any useful way because it's so visual. Um, yeah. If you if you are really really invested in nuances of positioning and flanking, uh, then maybe hunt up a PDF of this and look yeah. at it. But man, no. It
0: it literally. Um, takes the game... So so let's just make this clear at the outset. Third edition assumed that you were using minis. Right. It, no, I take back. They Im- implied that miniature use was a good idea. <laughs> right. And there's, a, there's enough in the mechanics, the standard mechanics, not necessarily in this book. There's enough in the standard mechanics to make you want to use a map in minis. If you don't want to, it still works. It's fine. But most people, to my knowledge, were using... Some kind of map and some kind of mini, you know, something to represent the characters. Okay. And that was just assumed that that, that was going to be how it was. Mm-hmm. This section of this book takes that into so much detail. It takes it so much deeper into the tiny nuances of, of that, of positioning and facing and all of that stuff that it literally turns it into a miniatures war game for every battle even more than what people complained about fourth edition dnd yep because in fourth edition dnd the movement's actually very much simplified and the way that you know pushes and pulls and different things like that work are very much simplified here it is you know uh this is the largest single section of this chapter i think it's what one two three four five six pages yeah no doubt um and then if you count the 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 very the uh, the hexes and all that stuff, like it, it, I, I'm not saying it's a bad section. I'm just saying we don't we can't dig into it, and it's going to be real real boring to listen to us talk about it. Yep. So yeah, let's yeah I agree. Go 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 listen to our uh, twelve days of Christmas, twelve days of edition wars uh, series where we talked about combat and tactics because uh, it, it's basically the same thing but in much more detail. Mm -hmm. Uh, with using terminology from 3rd edition. Uh,
1: So the one last thing I want to say about this is that if you can read this and still think that having flanking rules in 5th edition is a good idea the optional flanking rules I don't I don't know that I can help you. It's okay (laughs) that you like that. I'm not saying you shouldn't like that but we're on a different planet as to what is satisfying at the table. Like mm-hmm. I am wild about the fact that rogues don't need to position on the opposite side of a monster and mm-hmm. just need an adjacent ally to the monster. That is the best to me. Yeah. Um, because the whole conga line system of, um, uh, third ed and fourth ed flanking was so tedious and mm-hmm. so samey in every fight. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Right, yeah. Because if it's important to your attack, you're going to do it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Especially in fourth. Oh man, like yeah. that 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 plus two attack bonus. Like attack bonus is king in fourth. Mm-hmm. We've said it before, yeah. and I'll say it again. Attack yep. bonus is absolutely where it is at because the system is so st- so stingy on bonuses to attack.
0: Right, right. All right, so. Yeah. So but, let's move on to yeah, we're, Variable we're, we're Modifiers.
1: So Variable Modifiers. So it is wild to see this in D&D to me because <laughs> this is Earthdawn, man. Yeah. This yeah. is straight up some Earthdawn stuff. Like I was uh, I was playing Earthdawn with uh, my buddies in North Carolina uh, run by my friend Christopher Mifsud. Um, just a couple of years after this came out, uh, would have been about 2008 that we were playing a bunch of uh, Earth Dawn. And mm-hmm. like, I'm not sure this chart isn't ripped off.
0: <laughs> it might
1: be. It, it, it might l- be. It yeah. literally could be ripped off. Yeah. I, I don't have it in front of me to compare because I never yeah. owned any Earth Dawn books. But man. That is what is going on here with the dice step chart, and that step chart is the beating heart of Mm -hmm. um, all action resolution in uh, in Earthdawn. It's just that in D and D there's a baseline D twenty, and in Earthdawn there's not. That's not a thing, right? Right? You just have uh, the die you roll and however many steps. Like, up or down, that has to go. Um,
0: So let's uh, tell the audience what this actually, what we're talking about. Oh,
1: yeah, it'd be really good, wouldn't it?
0: Basically, um, the premise is having static attack modifiers and attribute check modifiers and uh, D20 rolls is too predictable. So you can... uh, you know, bolt on this variable modifier system that basically says any modifier that you have that is plus higher than a plus one or lower than a minus one, um, you can, uh, instead of adding, okay, another plus one, so now I have a plus two, another plus one, so now I have a plus three. Instead of doing that, you add or take away dice from the pool of dice that you're rolling for that particular uh, task okay so for example it says uh first level Tordek deck has an attack bonus of plus four when he uses his dwarven war axe however instead of rolling 1d20 plus four that plus four is higher than a plus one so now we're going to replace that static modifier with some dice and so now he's going to roll a d20 and a d8 and that will be what his role is instead of just doing d20 plus four yeah um and so, and then, you know, so the, what you add changes based on this, this chart, that's the chart that, that Brandis just, uh, accused WotC of stealing from Earth on, but, um, uh, accused is <laughs> I know, I know I'm just, I'm just messing with you. Um, but so for example, if the, if the static bonus was plus 10, then you're just adding another D 20. So you're rolling two D 20. Uh, if the static bonus is plus six, you're adding a D 12. So you're rolling a D 20 and a D 12. If your st- if your static bonus is plus nineteen, you're rolling the initial d twenty plus another d twenty plus two d eight.
1: That's that's a bunch.
0: Yeah, it's a bunch. Um, but I if mean, you roll a one, if you roll a one on all of them, <laughs> sure,
1: sure, right, And right. Uh, like in in D and D next, there was a span of time when uh, skills didn't receive a. A fixed proficiency mm-hmm. bonus, mm-hmm. right? Yes, yes. They, they received a, a die value, so right. like you might I have. Loved a, that. You might have a D6 in stealth, yeah. uh, right. instead of a plus three. Like, art my table loved that. Yeah, mine still did a variable too. Rule to like DMG. It. Yeah, it's it, it's still still yeah. in there. Just I don't know anyone who plays with it now. Yeah, no. But um, just the fact that it. Kept um, success and failure on the table, as it were, uh-huh. uh, yeah. for almost any DC, was real popular yeah. with my table.
0: Yeah, uh, my table loved that too. They, um, in fact, that's the packet that we stayed with the longest. Yep, same. Because they liked yep, that yep. so much. Yeah.
1: Yep. Uh, it was
0: exciting. Yeah.
1: And I think that that was the active packet for. A good long time.
0: It was. It had a long stretch. It did, but there were there were at least two or three more after that, and yeah. we did not adopt them as readily as we had adopted each successive packet throughout yeah. that play test yeah. Yeah. because they got stuck on that one because it was the best combination of the stuff they wanted.
1: Yeah, it so. certainly keeps roles tense. That that feels good. Yeah. Even yeah. on a failure, it can still feel really good mm-hmm. because you can know that success was within your grasp, and. Right the harder you make it to like know the probabilities off the top of your head the better it feels it, right. in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Yeah, cuz the success or failure is a surprise rather yep. than a foregone conclusion.
1: Right. Um and oh man, what am I looking at here? This bell curve rolls business. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I've definitely seen people talk about the bell curve uh, about various bell curve systems, uh, mm-hmm. where um, you're, you're rolling either two d10 instead of uh, a d20, or I think they're suggesting three uh, d6 um, to to generate your you know, anything you roll a d24, right? Right. Um, and you add that up so that the math actually gravitates toward a 10 or an 11 instead of, um, uh, the flat probability of D 20. Um, uh, and I don't know. Um, there are some additions where I'd like this more, but in, uh, in fifth, the whole system of adv- advantage and disadvantage, uh, is intended from first principles to make it so that, um, unexpected things do actually happen. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. are more common than their sort of uh, real probability would suggest, even if right. they're still uncommon, and you don't want to bet on them, mm-hmm. but it's still worth a shot. Right? Yep. Um, for example, yeah, attacking an invisible target. Like The odds are against you, yeah, but right. Right. Wild stuff happens. You might as well yeah. roll it. You you could literally uh, land two twenties, one mm-hmm. four hundred shot. Go for it.
0: Right. Uh, and that's and that's what I was gonna say is I can't tell you how many times I've seen two twenties rolled. Yep. Even I mean or, or two ones. Yep. Right. Like that happens or or not as bad but a one and a two like yep. it's actually pretty easy to roll under five on both dice.
1: Oh boy. You know, like
0: suddenly you're not in the one in 400 chances anymore. Right. Like you, that probability is much higher, but it's not, it doesn't come to mind as quickly if you're not super quick with math. So it's not as knowable, but boy, you sure know it when you've rolled two twos, you know, or a two and a four. So it's, yeah, I mean, that, that kind of stuff happens a a lot more than I think people expect it to anyway. Um, so anything else you want to? you want to say about bell curve
1: rules no but I'm kind of um, kind of intrigued with the what they're trying to say about monster challenge ratings I'm trying to read this quickly Mm. nope nope don't care about that yeah Uh, luck domain yeah oh sure Yeah, yeah. I mean, something about. grants free rolls is not as useful in a Velcro situation. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: um, so what about all players roll the dice? This is an extreme variant. A-
1: so I don't like it for D&D, personally. I know people who like it. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, of course, a huge thing in indie gaming. Yeah. Huge, huge thing. yeah um, mm-hmm.
0: Well, not even in India. I mean, Numenera, the cipher system, Marty Cook's baby, is – the DM doesn't roll anything.
1: Yeah. Um, Numenera was one of the first places I saw that. uh, Apocalypse World is another. Mm -hmm. um, The players roll the dice. um, Over the Edge does that in its 25th anniversary edition, that kind of thing. Um, And, I mean, it's fine. Yeah. as long as you like pay attention to getting the math, right. It's fine. Um, right. Right. Like, it isn't that hard to make it not matter.
0: Right. Um, yeah.
1: And if that is what's going to feel satisfying, it, if it's going to maybe speed up play to let the DM never think about picking through their dice to get the right collection, but instead just, Say the thing on the page, and Mm -hmm. if the players can do it faster, then go with God, I guess. Right, right. um, uh, I mean, I personally do get something out of uh, being the one rolling the dice and rolling them in the open as the DM uh, to like give a very clear, like washing my hands of this carnage uh, Mm -hmm. moment, right. Or, well, no, I'm not fudging in your favor. I literally can't roll above a five tonight. Like, good good game, guys.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I I roll my, all of my, almost every roll I make is out in the open.
1: Yeah, and at this point, I'm I'm rolling in the clear, even in roll 20, because I just, I don't get anything out of uh, secret rolls.
0: Right, Um, yeah, I do the same thing. Because I don't, I'm, I'm, and once again, no judgment here. No, there's no ethical dilemma here, but I don't fudge dice rolls ever.
1: Yeah, me either.
0: Um, so for me, you know, it doesn't matter if I roll that, you know, there's never a point where I go, oh, I rolled that in the open. Whoops. Let me roll it behind here. Like I don't do that. Um, there are occasions when like, if I'm rolling an enemy's stealth roll, I will roll it behind my screen. Right. Um, so that the players don't see it now uh, that's with my two teenage players. Cause they look at my dice, you know, if I roll them, uh, yeah. and the adults I play with that uh, doesn't matter if I roll it out in the open, they don't know what I'm rolling for. So it doesn't matter. And they're not, you know, um, whereas the teenagers are, what's that, what's that? Oh, he, oh, he rolled an 18. Something's going to happen, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so to, to stop that, I roll behind the screen except for, combat, I roll everything out in the open. That way, you know what? Hey, if that goblin really did roll a crit, sorry. Um, that's just how it works. But I actually enjoy rolling dice. So it, in fact, it's one of the problems I have with Numenera. Not that I think the system isn't set up well, or that it's set up to not, and doesn't work. I don't think that at all. It does work very well, but I enjoy rolling dice. So running Numenera, it was hard for me because I would never, I was not getting the tactile dice rolling portion of the game which I do enjoy a great deal. So, you know, yep. Yep. That's a me problem. That's uh, a, that's a mental issue that yeah. I have.
1: Uh, uh, I collect my dice on purpose with I- intent to, uh, use them cause mayhem.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: Um, I definitely, yeah. definitely feel that. I mean, yeah. it, especially in, um, my, my Rakesh game, right? Like mm-hmm. a, a party wipe is not a campaign ender, because there are so many characters like, active in the campaign, mm-hmm. the players will just go play their alts and now they have to do a corpse run. And that's their problem, right. not mine. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, it's, it's very West marches in that way.
0: Yeah. No, that's um, good. I like that. I enjoy that style.
1: Yeah. Uh, it, it, like I'm not doing true West marches. I, I would mm-hmm. love to, but this game is much more urban than that. But, right. um, but yeah, like, um, I really do love just here's what's going on. Like I've, I've telegraphed what's, what's happening. I've telegraphed the danger you're in. Um, the rest of it's your problem. Right.
0: Right. Well, that's the game,
1: right? That's just, that's that's what feels right to me. And the players have responded pretty well to it. Yeah. So,
0: well, see, but my, my attitude about that – and we're totally getting off track, but whatever – my attitude about that is that's what it means to be in a living world, right? Yeah, for sure. Like the world around you is, al- is alive, and p- the, the NPCs in it are not frozen in suspended animation. As, as you leave, like, uh, there's a thing, uh, okay, so I'm a professor, I always joke with some of my, you know, some of my other professor friends, we, we always joke that, you know, the students they're a lot of them are really young, and they don't, they don't really think they think when they leave the classroom, we're like frozen and suspended animation. Until they come back in, you know, the, two days later when they have another class, right? They don't re- they don't think about it as we have a life and we actually go to other classes as well and teach those and we go to our office and we grade papers and we work and then we go home and then, you know and then we come back and then then we're in the building again. You know, they they're just like assuming that we're frozen like some kind of computer program, um, and and that's kind of I mean it's you know whatever like what, they shouldn't care about my life necessarily. I don't I'm not making a value judgment about them or something. Um, but that's just that tends to be more prevalent in younger people and of course as a college professor I'm around young people all the time right yeah. um so 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 that that happens like in a game too right if you run a, a setting if if the dm is running a setting and doesn't really make the the npcs have a life outside of what the players are having their pcs do then why shouldn't they expect the merchant to freeze in his shop until they walk through the door? Sure. Right? Um, but I don't run my I, – I try to run my game as much as possible as there's other stuff going on. Yeah. You know, there's other stuff going on. And so when you try to go see somebody, they don't necessarily have to be in their shop or their temple or, you know – on the island at all right i mean like that that's that's what happens people move and go do things and look up things and get in trouble and you know all that stuff despite what the players are having their pcs do and sometimes because of what the pcs are doing right right and so therefore you have the exact right attitude where hey look this happened and that's your problem to solve what you know these people are all just living their lives too, and now you got to deal with whatever the fallout of your of the other group's actions were. Sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, that's just how it works.
1: All right. I don't think we're seriously going to launch into uh, no uh, the next no, chapter no, here. We're not doing the next um, chapter. No. And I guess I just want to say, uh, if you want to hear a preview. Of this chapter, go <laughs> back and listen to twelve days of edition wars when we cover spells and magic. Right. Because Boy Howdy is well, a lot of that a lot of those concepts uh, rehashed in this.
0: And that says something, right? Yeah. That says that even though those things were, were published in late 2nd edition, and what I call 2.5, right? Yep. That those those concepts need very little tweaking to be brought into 3rd edition. And here they are. Well... Once again, I, right in...
1: The, the concepts of, of spell points is never going to die. Right. Right? Sure.
0: Right. Um, yeah, there's
1: always going to be people who love D&D, but cannot stand uh vancian slot based magic right and spell points are always going to be for them so every edition is going to have some kind of variant for that other than fourth right. because fourth is the outlier yep. um uh, yeah. and so here it is for third spells and magic had it for second the dmg has it for fifth
0: Mm-hmm. yeah anyway so anyway. i think i think we we will, we're done with chapter four then and so just for our audience, this book has six chapters. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, you, you know who thought we were getting through this in maybe two or three episodes?
0: Uh, no, no, I don't know.
1: Some I, poor fool who will remain no, nameless. I know not what <laughs> but you're talking about. it was both about. of us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the thing is with a deep dive, like I honestly read the chapter, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I try to, you know. And it makes me think about oh gee you know like, wow how similar to second edition is that how similar to fourth how similar to fifth like but I, the th- here's and here's the thing I think our audience enjoys that
1: I, I hope so uh, I hope, hope so too so. I mean um, I, I no longer remember how we got through twelve days of edition wars covering you know e- each book in only three episodes.
0: Right. Well, because we knew. (laughs) We knew, and we stopped each other. Also, uh, sometimes we didn't,
1: (laughs) and I had to edit.
0: (laughs) Oopsie! (laughs) But anyway, so I think that's going to finish us for this episode. So, Brandis, where can people find you on the internet? Uh,
1: You can find me on Twitter, at Brandis Stoddard. Uh, My personal blog is brendisstoddard.com I also write for tribality.com and my Patreon is Brandis Stoddard.
0: excellent and I am DM Samuel and you can find me on Twitter at DM Samuel and you can find me on RPGmusings.com you can also find me of course as always all over the Tome Show and so with that I think we will say goodbye
1: A- and I will remind people to wear their damn masks Sam do you yes. have anything you want to remind people?
0: I would like it if they would arrest the cops who murdered Breonna Taylor.
1: That's the right answer.